Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, NLP trainer and change agent here, and you're listening to episode 82 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast designed to support entrepreneurial couples, people in business partnership, and anyone looking for more tips, tools, and strategies to add to the quality of your life. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 82 is entitled Looking at Affairs Part 1. I thought we would uh, explore this area today. Um, because it really is an aspect of our society that needs to be addressed. It needs to be looked at um, from a, through a slightly different lens, and we need to get better um, both uh, in our understanding and in the way that we deal with uh, affairs. Um, why? Um, well, the reason you know the reality is that affairs happen um, and always have. As long as there's been committed relationships, there's been affairs. So um, it's no good saying people shouldn't cheat, should people shouldn't be unfaithful. The reality is people do, and for varied and complex reasons. So we need to get better at understanding that affairs are a reality. They can very much be a possibility that we're going to have to face. And there's ways in which we can do that with greater effectiveness. And then, of course, um, if we're holding on to some old, outdated beliefs, This effectively, one, keeps us naive and potentially unsafe um, in our relationships going forward. Oh, it'll never happen to me. Um, Well, given the number of affairs that do transpire and the way affairs are trending, um, there's every likelihood it will. Um, So we need to be able to consider it as a reality. Sometimes we don't like to look at it because it makes us feel vulnerable and unsafe. But I think it's less safe to ignore that it is a possibility. It's less safe to not have the discussion with our partner at some stage to say, well, what do we do if we find ourselves inadvertently attracted to another? Um, And when we're not able to be honest and have clear and concise communication in our relationship, this adds to the potential that an affair can become a reality uh, rather than when we're looking to construct our relationships on 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 a platform of, openness um, and honesty and and clear communication and the recognition that you know it's not my intention necessarily to have an affair but in throughout the course of time I have to deal with the reality that something may appear very unexpected and and I might find myself attracted to somebody despite my intention to um, you know to only focus myself on you um, And so the reality is that we can be in a committed relationship with someone and still find ourselves drawn to others. And until we can embrace that reality, we can't implement practical solutions. Um, If we can't embrace the reality that it's possible, very possible, that my partner from time to time will be um, attracted to another uh, person or persons is more the reality, then, you know, I'm really leaving myself very vulnerable to that or, you know, as a result of, you know, getting aware that my partner is attracted to someone or if they they do happen to speak honestly about that and my response is to punish them um, for that honesty, then I'm contributing to to a backdrop of, you you know, um, if you're honest with me, I'm going to punish you. Um, How 
how much more likely and more ready are you to come and speak to me again if that's my response? And I know it's hard sometimes when we, when, when we, you know, we can hear those things, but we have to be able to have the strength within ourselves to have those difficult conversations, to be open about them and work our way through them um, is the best chance we have at, at keeping together. And we have to realize that, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, we aren't choosing our partner and they aren't choosing us. But the, the illusion that says, you know, now that we're, let's say, married or we're boyfriend-girlfriend or girlfriend-girlfriend, boyfriend-boyfriend, whatever it is, well, now, the, you know, that automatically infers uh, fidelity. That automatically infers um, that, you know, I'm entitled to sex now whenever I want, in particular when we come into the marriage paradigm and uh, it's more of a, a male-based um, uh, outdated idea that I'm married to you now, therefore um, I'm entitled to sex. Um, and, you know, it becomes an imposition, it becomes a, uh, an assumption, and I stop working towards creating a romantic environment. Um, you know, the things that used to help us get excited and engaged and focused on the pleasure of sex, now that we're married, um, it just becomes um, an aspect of um, uh, just one of the uh, marital functions I'm expected to perform. It now becomes a responsibility and a duty rather than a pleasure and a, and a delight and a mystery. Um, so when we're looking at these kinds of elements, um, we, we have to be able to, one, acknowledge the fact when we're in relationship with another human being, that there will be times when we will be attracted to someone outside of the relationship and so will they. Um, and what are we going to kind of do about that? How are we going to approach that in a non-punishing uh, way? We're just recognizing that that's a reality. Um, and how can we speak openly and honestly about those things? We're challenging and we're looking at some of the assumptions that we carry um, uh, around infidelity too. You know, we're looking at things, you know, what are, what are my ideas about affairs and the kinds of people who have them? Um, because the thing that we find even in long-term relationships is that we can begin to come under the false assumption that we've seen enough of our partner that they're familiar to us and we know them. Um, ironically, human beings don't even know themselves and there's environments where I re can react in a way that I took even myself by surprise. Wow, I didn't know I had that in me. Or, or I thought in that moment I would stand up in a way um, that would surprise and delight me and I found that I went a completely other way with that. Um, so we're a mystery to ourselves, let alone to our partners. And it's, it's recognizing that no matter how long we're with another human being, they can always surprise us in, in some kind of way. Um, and I think that's good. And, and it's, again, when we come under this false assumption of stability and that things will always be as they are now, um, and in fact, that's what you're meant to do because you married me and now nothing can change, um, that, is not the, that is not reality. That's not life. Things are changing constantly. Things are moving constantly. Um, the person we married, um, you, you know, it's very, very unlikely that 20 years from now we're going to be with the same person. Um, our life our experiences, our relationships, all these things are going to change us. They're going to inform us in different kind of ways. And, and so to have an expectation that the person I'm with now will always be the person I'm going to be with, I think is somewhat confused um, and, and naive, but it can sometimes be safe 
to think that way. Ah, now I have you, you're not going to change. You're not going to challenge my um, idea of you anymore. Um, and indeed, that's what safe, stable, loving relationships are about. Um, but when we realize that that's not going to be the case um, and we start to look at why are some, you know, what are some of the reasons why uh, affairs um, can become a reality? Well, one of the things that we're looking at is sometimes when we go into these stable relationships, um, I like kind of Esther Perel, um, the prominent couples um, therapist. She's written some brilliant books on uh, kind of erotic in intelligence. Um, that you know, when we're when we're partnering up, sometimes due to the pressures of our life, we can get very fixated on creating stability, getting ahead, um, functioning effectively in our roles. And that human beings paradoxically rely on a combination of, yes, stability and familiarity, but also our eroticism, our, our kind of life force, um, uh, and this, this sense of a craving of mystery, novelty, and excitement. And those two elements, um, you know, coexist under the one roof. And how are we making sure that we're giving enough time and attention to both sides of ourselves? So that sometimes, you know, we can begin to no longer see the attractiveness of our partner because now more and more we're focusing on their functioning role in the relationship. My partner is a good provider. My partner is a good um, parent to our children. And more and more, if we get lost in these functions, um, we can be very vulnerable to a moment where someone outside of the relationship comes along and looks at us in a way uh, you know, with a with a rawness and a vibrance and a desire, um, uh, you know, the way our, our partner looked at us five or 10 or 20 years ago and, and suddenly here's somebody who doesn't see me for my role as a provider, doesn't see me as my, for my role as a mother or a nurturer. They, they, there's just a wantonness for, for me, um, you know, and, and that can awaken and evoke all kinds of, um, uh, uh, emotions in us that perhaps had been dormant or repressed for a long period of time. Um, so, you know, the assumption sometimes that um, people have an affair only because they're unhappy in their relationship is is a flawed assumption. People only have um, affairs because they're, they're having poor sex in their relationship is again a flawed assumption. Sometimes it's just, you know, that my sex life is great. Our relationship is fantastic. But but now all of a sudden somebody else is validating my attractiveness. And that's one of the, the challenges as we move forward as a culture, more and more, both men and women, traditionally women have had to deal with this a lot longer than, than men. But this idea about our physical desirability, our sexual desirability as um, a touch point for uh, me measuring my self-esteem. Who's looking at me? Who's finding me sexy? Um, you know, as a man, I, you know, these days I've got to have a six pack, um, uh, you know, and I've got to look a certain way because that's a sexually desirable man. You know, I, I can't have a big fat stomach and just make a lot of money and, and bank on the fact that, hey, I'm a successful, powerful dude, that'll be enough. You know, we're, we're all due to the marketing and advertising paradigm more and more, both consciously and unconsciously, we're being bombarded with these messages of desi sexual desirability um, and that we have to measure ourselves and compare ourselves to sometimes very unrealistic paradigms. 
Um, and so I might be very content within the relationship, but a third party comes along who mirrors to me that desirability and suddenly, oh, wow, you know. And, and again, I can now jump into this um, uh, extramarital affair where I, can, I only have to focus on the fun, the sex, um, and, and, and I can be lighthearted and frivolous um, and, and I don't have to worry about the responsibilities. You know, all the pressures of my life temporarily can be dropped while I complete, completely fixate on someone and they completely fixate on me and I've got this wonderful sense of vibrancy and aliveness and validation for a period of time. <laughs> Unfortunately, what we sometimes forget is, whilst that's great for the moment, um, uh, you, you know, even if we ended up leaving our relationship and going with that person, we end up at some stage, you know, that person who I didn't, you know, I only focused on and fixated on a sex, sexualized, non-responsible, fun kind of way. Um, at some stage, if we take up with that person, we're going to be back where we were before. Um, you know, the stability aspect will start to come into the relationship. Um, and so when we're jumping outside of our relationship prematurely or we think that that's going to be the solution rather than necessarily coming back into the relationship first and being able to talk about what we think might be missing for us or um, we're, we're able to talk honestly about the feelings that this third party's evoked in us and we, we, we're being heard without punishment, we're being heard without the other person making that about them um, because again that's an element or a misunderstanding sometimes of affairs that you know if you cheat on me well there must be something inherently wrong with me um, you know rather than a lot of the affair might not have anything to do with me at all I mean, you know my partner might have cheated purely for their own reasons um, and not because you know I'm lacking in any kind of way but when we over personalize um, that and again we look at this as a we, we tend to kind of jump straight into it's a failing in me that my partner cheated or it's a failing in them that they cheated or it's all about this third party that we need to blame um, you know we're looking at the the idea of affairs we're not we're not taking into consideration the more realistic big picture of, of how it kind of fits into the paradigm of our culture you know we, we need to be looking culturally at how we deal with affairs. Um, we need to be more open and non-judgmental about uh, affairs because the fact of the matter is they happen. Like I said, oh, people shouldn't have affairs. It is, is a very um, unrealistic and unhelpful statement. The reality is people do. Um, so let's deal with the reality of things. And just because we accept that affairs exist, affairs exist doesn't mean that we're talking about acceptance or denial. It's just a far more realistic place to start to talk about them. Um, because what happens when people have affairs is, is often, you know, if, if we're in pain as a couple, even if we want to repair, there's the shame, there's the embarrassment, there's the worry about the judgment. So we, we can sometimes be very reticent to accept the help of an external third party who can help us work through it in a non-judgmental way. Or even if I talk about my pain, perhaps my partner's cheated on me and I talk about my pain to a friend, it's, it's very, um, it can be very rare that we, we find a friend who's able to hold a non-judgmental place for us about that rather than jump in with their own ideas. Oh, they're such a bastard, you should leave them. I mean, there's something wrong with you if you stay. 
Um, I, again, we have to be open with the prevalence of, of kind of extramarital affairs that it's not so black and white in terms of you should stay or you should leave. If we've got an automatic response to these things um, before they even happen, that's probably not the most healthy kind of process that we can go through because it's worth recognizing that some people, um, you, you know, some couples come out actually stronger once they've faced the idea of an affair and learn to be more honest and more open and more present and more appreciative of each other. Um, it's, you know, because affairs can happen to, to people in any socioeconomic stage of life, um, or if we've got an idea that it only happens to attractive people, um, I, I'm sorry if I don't find myself attractive or I don't find my partner as attractive anymore, trust me, somebody else will. Uh, there's always going to be somebody who's, who's going to be looking um, at, at us or at our partner and going, hey, they, they look pretty, pretty good to me, regardless of what we think about ourselves or what we think about our partner. Um, so the reality is we can't control who finds us attractive and there's always going to be somebody who does. So when we come off flawed assumptions that it's only quote unquote um, people who look a certain way, however that we've decided that is in our mind, unless you look like a TV star or a magazine model, then you know you, you're not going to have to face the 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 uh, the, the grittiness of, of of affairs in your life. Um, the reality is, yes, you're just as likely to as anybody else. Um, and so when we see these kinds of things. We're, we're able to start to, to have a more realistic view about um, what it takes to be in modern relationship, what it takes to make modern relationship work. And, and just to kind of, you know, wind up sort of part one, when we're looking at this as far as, um, you know, we're understanding that if we've got a very fixed view, um, if affairs do transpire, um, that is not necessarily going to bring us to healing or resolution. As I say, some couples are able to come uh, through an affair and actually be stronger than ever before. Some couples stay together but are more toxic than ever before. Um, some people leave their relationship and find they're able to find, uh, you, know, you know, an even more suitable, fitting, loving, open, honest relationship with somebody else. And other people leave relationship and find it impossible to trust people afterwards. So leaving or staying is not necessarily as important as how specifically are we going to deal with what an affair brings up for us and how, we, how specifically are we going to move through, heal and resolve that, regardless of what side we're on. Because sometimes, you know, the, the so-called um, victim is the one who's open and ready to repair and ready to heal. And it's the quote unquote, um, you know, the person who instant, you know, had the affair is the actual one who finds they can't forgive themselves. They, they can't stop punishing themselves. And so we, we need to be able to start having this more open, more non-judgmental, less automatic kind of response to affairs. But we're really kind of with an open mind exploring, you know, what, what specifically transpired here. Um, and what specifically do we want to do about it going forward from a more compassionate and non-judgmental space from both sides? We're going to more likely have a far more effective result if we're doing it from, from that kind of space. Um, so this is a massive topic of which I've only just kind of touched on a little bit, um, but I certainly hope that it gives you some food for thought. 
Um, and as always, uh, for those of you who've listened to um, the Sean Healy Tools series right the way through, my profoundest gratitude to you if you're just joining us. Um, the way you can support the show is please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it greatly um, helps the reach of the program. You can also find um, this series on Podbean and Stitcher. And you're welcome to drop into the website, emergencetraining.com.au. Leave, um, you know, say hi, leave any ideas for episodes that you'd like me to do. And if I feel I know um, enough about them to at least open the space up, then I'll definitely look at it. Um, and also, I'm available for one-to-one work. I work with people's professional lives and, and, and their personal, um, specializing particularly in navigating human dynamics Um, And then, of course, I offer private um, in-house and public-based trainings all and looking at all kinds of aspects of human dynamics and how we can have more connected and uh, more effective relationships going forward. So once again, really appreciate you listening to the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you'll join us on part two. Till then, bye for now.